Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the podcast. And today I'm going to give my review of AEW's Dynamite. Starting off the evening, we have a Samoa Joe segment. Joe comes down to the ring. He talks about opportunities need to be earned in AEW, especially when it pertains to the AEW World Championship. Joe then sends a message, a stern message to the AEW roster. Hook then comes down to the ring. He pays respect to Samoa Joe, but he also says that he will get another shot at his belt again. After Hook says that, Joe then asks security to escort Hook out of the ring, and then Hook ends up attacking the AEW security. Uh, a couple of things I want to say about this, man. Number one, the match with Samoa Joe and Hook that happened last week, to me, was a banger match. It was a great match. It was a great showing from Hook. Um, and obviously, you know, the vignettes that Tony Khan and AEW has been doing for, uh, for Hook uh, the past couple of weeks leading up to that match that he had with Samoa Joe was absolutely awesome. It was awesome. Uh, with that being said, though, uh, when Hook came out to the ring and, and you know, grabbed the live microphone, I, I don't think that's the direction I would necessarily put Hook moving forward. I, I think the promo aspect of Hook is just not there, clearly. And just how he, you know, with the promo that he cut on Joe last night, all this stuff could have been said backstage or a backstage interview with Renee. There was no reason for Hook to come out to the center of the ring and you know, cut that awful promo on Samoa Joe just for us to, you know, we could, like I said, we could have had this backstage with Renee or, you know, maybe Samoa Joe was walking, you know, in the back and probably crossed paths with Hook. And then, you know, they had an exchange of words backstage. Who knows? But to me, you know, and I said this last, you know, you know, last week about Hook is okay. After him losing to Samoa Joe, what happens next with Hook? Is he going to stay in the back of the line? Uh, obviously, the rankings, which I'll touch bases on here towards the end of the, uh, the podcast, the rankings are now back with AEW, and they should be in full effect here relatively soon. So, obviously, rankings are going to have a lot to do with it as far as title shots and title opportunities are given. Uh, it's all going to come down to the rankings. But, you know, where do you put Hook after that match? You know, does Hook have decent matches, or is he going to be facing, an, you know, enhancement talent leading up to a possible rematch with Samoa Joe? So, again, it's still yet to be seen. Uh, moving on from that, we go into our first official match of the night. It is Adam Page versus Penta. Uh, Samoa Joe was ringside on commentary throughout this match. Uh, the match itself was a good match. Uh, back and forth matchup between Page and Penta. Page and Penta then both exchanged chops in the middle of the ring with Penta hitting a sling blade on Page in the middle of the ring. Page then gets up, hits a fallaway slam on Penta. Page then hits a running shooting star press on Penta for a near fall. Page was trying to keep the pace out of the match with a hitting a Death Valley driver on Penta for a near fall as well. Page then hits a pump a pump up power bomb for a near fall. Penta kicks out. Page then goes for a buckshot lariat, but Penta counters. Page then hits a devastating dead eye off the apron on Penta that looked absolutely brutal. Page then goes to hit a moonsault to the outside, takes out Penta, and then Page hits a buckshot lariat for the finish. Pins for the three. And your winner of the match is Adam Page. Hats off to Adam Page for getting the win in this matchup. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is Wardlow versus Trent Beretta. Well, I thought this was a decent match. Uh, back and forth matchup between Wardlow and Beretta with Wardlow pretty much keeping the pace throughout the entire match. Trent hits uh, Wardlow with a chair shot. The referee was distracted. Trent then hits a half and a half on Wardlow. Trent hits a pile driver on Wardlow as well. But Warlow gets up, hits a power slam on Beretta, as well as a power bomb, pins him for the three, and your winner of the match is Wardlow. After the match, looks like there was a little hostility between the best friends in Orange Cassidy and the Undisputed Kingdom. 
And again, there's obviously some hostility because Roderick Strong also wants to challenge Orange uh, Orange Cassidy for the AEW International Championship. Uh, moving on from that, we have a sit-down with, uh, between Deanna Perrazzo and Tony Storm. Looks like Perrazzo is going to be the next uh, challenger for Tony Storm's AEW Women's Championship. So Perrazzo and Storm sit have a sit-down. Tony then mocks Perrazzo. Tony talks about her friends in AEW and that they don't really, you know, they're not as good as Tony Storm. Tony then praises Perrazzo at the same time. He also says, Deanna says that she is an AEW to be world champion. Perrazzo then wants to be, wants to face the old Tony Storm. Perrazzo also mentions the history that her and Tony Storm have had and that they were best friends. And both Perrazzo and Tony show off matching tattoos that they both have, which I thought was very interesting. Obviously, there's a big time friendship between uh, Deanna Perrazzo and Tony Storm. They both have matching tattoos. Perrazzo then attacks Tony Storm, and then Perrazzo holds up the AEW Women's Title to pretty much signify the fact that she is coming after the AEW Women's Championship. So I'm definitely looking forward to this possible matchup between Tony Storm and Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is Jeff Hardy versus Swerve. I thought this was a really good match, man. Uh, back and forth matchup between Jeff and Swerve with Jeff. With Swerve keeping the pace, but Jeff hits a whisper and a win off the top rope on Swerve. Hardy then hits a twist of fate off the steel steps. Swerve gets up, hits a house call for a near fall. Swerve then hits a rolling flatliner on Jeff Hardy. And then Swerve ultimately hits a swerve stop off the top rope on Hardy. Pins him for the three. And your winner of the match is Swerve. Couple things I want to say about this match, man. Uh, number one, why it was booked, I have no idea. I, I can't even explain to y'all why I, you know, why I think this match was booked. I can't do it. What I will say is this, um, you know, and, and again, I will touch basis on this towards the end of the podcast, but rankings are going to matter in 2024 for AEW. So you're going to see a lot of oddball matches um, in 2024. It's going to happen, um, which may cripple the company or make you know major improvements to the company with the new ranking system or the old ranking system coming back into 2024. Uh, the other thing I would say about this matchup as well is Jeff and Matt Hardy. I know that personally that Matt and Jeff Hardy, from people that I've talked to, uh, have reached out and, and gathered some news about the Hardys. And even myself have done my own research on the Hardy boys since they've been with AEW. And to me, it seems like the Hardy boys are kind of pissed off. It, it seems like the Hardys are done being on Rampage uh, or Collision. They want to be on the premier, you know, the premier shows. They want to be on Dynamite and they want to be, you know, showcased very well. Um, which could happen. The problem that I have with that is, is that unfortunately, you know, with everything that's happened with AEW as of late, I, you know, and I say this from the, you know, the end of last year is that AEW needs to hit the reset button. And I was kind of hoping they were doing that, especially when it pertained to the tag team division, uh, especially when they brought in Mark Quinn to reunite Isaiah Cassidy and private party as a tag team, you know, them putting out that promo against, you know, for the tag team division that, you know, put the tag team division on notice and said that they're going to go after the AEW world titles. Um, I think for the Hardys, I think that's the best bet for the Hardys is to put themselves in the tag team division and, you know, get more predominant matches. Because at the end of the day, like I said, with the rankings, you don't know how much storyline is going to be built around these rankings. You really don't. You know, you might see the direction of where they're going, but there might not be storylines leading into that direction of that match. It's it's two completely different things. So, I, for me, I think Jeff really lobbied himself for this matchup against Swerve because the frustrations that were mounting for the Hardys 
because Jeff wanted to, and Jeff and both Matt wanted to be on the premier show, which was Dynamite, and they felt like they were getting shafted, and they felt like they weren't getting their fair share or a fair shake in AEW as of late because Tony Khan has booked them on, you know, Rampage and Collision and stuff like that. I mean, not, not for nothing. It's <clears throat> I said the same thing about Trent Beretta. You have certain individuals that are a part of a tag team. It's very hard for them or that individual to go on a singles run when they're known to be in a tag team. I think Trent Beretta is an example of that. I think Trent is a great wrestler, but unfortunately, more people are going to be invested in Trent Beretta teaming up with Chuck Taylor as the best friends that he is that they are on a singles run. It's the same thing with Jeff. Now, they already accomplished this between Jeff and Matt in WWE, where it actually panned out more for Jeff than it did Matt Hardy. And Jeff Hardy had, you know, a decent run in WWE, and even a run as a world champion when he was on a singles run. And Matt obviously did his thing with, you know, the United States Championship and stuff like that. But obviously it paid off more for Jeff than it did Matt. But as far as an overall success rate, I mean, I wouldn't say like, oh yeah, Jeff's the greatest, one of the greatest singles competitors of all time. No, but he's a great tag team wrestler when he's teaming up with his brother Matt. It's a completely different story when you look at someone like an Adam Copeland and a Christian Cage, where... As a tag team, they're you know phenomenal. Edge and Christian are phenomenal. But they both had really solid singles run. Edge had a tremendous singles run with multi-world champions, great storylines, WrestleMania moments, WrestleMania matches. You know, Christian, on the other hand, you know, his WWE run as a singles competitor, it didn't really work out too well for Christian in WWE, but I will say this. I think Christian's single run in TNA really paid off for Christian a hell of a lot more than what it did in WWE especially when Christian was a heel, which he is a bona fide born heel. Um, so again, it's just one of those things where I feel like Jeff really lobbied himself for this matchup against Swerve because, you know, he felt as if the Hardys were getting were getting a fair share or a fair shake in AEW, and they've already voiced their frustrations multiple times at the fact that they are tired of being on Rampage and want to be on AEW's primary show with AEW Dynamite. So who knows, man? I will say this, though, on behalf of Jeff Hardy. You know, last night the match that he had with Swerve was one of the one of the best showings I've seen of Jeff as of late since he's been with AEW it was a solid matchup, and it wasn't like Swerve was entirely carrying the match last night um, between him and Jeff. So Jeff really was holding his own, and Jeff put on a really good performance last night. So again, if, if we get that same Jeff Hardy moving forward, you know that I'm all for it, but it's still yet to be seen of what's going to be next for the Hardys, especially Jeff Hardy. Uh, moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is a women's matchup. It is Thunder Rosa making her... Dynamite return after being off for so many so many months. Um, she finally makes her uh, in-ring Dynamite debut against Red Velvet since her return. Uh, it was a solid match, man. It was a back-and-forth matchup between Rosa and Velvet, with Rosa keeping the pace of the match. Thunder Rosa then hits a Northern Lights suplex, and then Rosa ultimately hits the finish on Red Velvet. Pins for the three, and your winner of the match is Thunder Rosa. After the match, it looks like Thunder Rosa was kind of shooting for her shot against Tony Storm. So again... This is where the rankings are really going to come into play moving forward for AEW. Uh, moving on from that, we have a Darby Allen and Sting segment. Uh, segment. Uh, Darby Allen hypes up Sting and what Sting's done for his career. He also talks about the Young Bucks um, as well. And we see the Young Bucks watching backstage throughout this segment. Darby then uh, says that this should be for the number one contenders match for the AEW Tag Team Championships. They want to challenge Big Bill and Ricky Stars for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Darby also says that Sting still has it. He also mentions seeing Sting in Texas and, you know, having a couple, uh, I wouldn't say matches, but some training with Sting. And that's when, you know, Darby kind of found out that Sting still has it. 
Uh, and then Sting says that he wants a chance at the AW Tag Team ch- uh, Championships against Big Bill and Ricky Starks, which that match will take place in two weeks. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And also the Young Bucks, man. The Young Bucks and what they've been doing the past couple weeks, man, has been awesome. I- I'm loving the fact that they come back as heels. You know, they don't want to be known as Matt and Nick Jackson anymore. They want to know by, they go by their airport uh I believe it was their airport names or whatever they said. It was their proper ID names, Matthew and Nicholas Jackson, which I thought was hilarious. They're really playing into the EVP stuff, which I think is great. Um, even the stuff they said to Dante Martin and uh, Darius Martin backstage from Top Flight, saying that they were going to find him from being late and all this other stuff. It's just they're really playing into it. Uh, do I think it has a shelf life? Yeah, I, I do think it has a shelf life, but I mean... My God, man, what better way for Sting and Darby to win the AEW Tag Team Championships and then the Young Bucks beat Sting and Darby Allen possibly at Revolution on March 3rd, man. Matt and Nick Jackson are going to be the biggest heels in the business for a very long time if that were to be the case at Revolution, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Moving on from that, we have an AEW Six-Man Tag Team Championship match for once. It is the acclaim defending the AEW Six-Man Tag Team Championships against Mogul Embassy. Uh, it was a solid match, a uh, back-and-forth matchup between both teams with the acclaimed keeping the pace of the match. Anthony Bowens hits a devastating blockbuster off the top rope. Uh, Austin Gunn, well, the Guns put uh, Prince Nana through the timekeeper's table, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, Billy Gunn then hits a Famouser, and then Caster hits a mic drop, pins for the three, and your winners of the match, and still AEW six-man tag team champions are the acclaimed. Hats off to the acclaimed for getting the win in that match. And again, hats off to the uh, Bullet Club Gold, man, for getting involved and helping the Acclaimed. It looks like the Acclaimed and Bullet Club Gold are now a faction, which is now the Bang Bang Scissor Gang now, which I think is absolutely awesome. I think it's one of those stables that are going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially with the possible return here, hopefully, sometime this year with the return of Juice Robinson. Uh, Moving on from that, we go into the main event of the evening. It was commercial-free. It was Adam Copeland. Versus Minoru Suzuki. I thought this was a decent match. Uh, Back and forth matchup between Copeland and Suzuki. With Copeland and Suzuki both exchanging in the middle of the ring. Copeland then hits an impaler on Suzuki. Copeland then goes for a steer. uh, A steer. Spear. Suzuki then counters with an armbar. Copeland then breaks the hold. Copeland then hits a spear for a near fall on Suzuki. But Suzuki applies a submission hold on Copeland. Copeland breaks the hold. And then Copeland hits a kill switch on Minoru Suzuki. Pins it for the three. And your winner of the match is Adam Copeland. Hats off to Adam Copeland for getting a win in this matchup. So a couple of things I want to say about AEW, man. And there's going to be a lot I got to say here. So again, it's going to be a lot. So let's talk about the AEW rankings. And I thought, you know, I touched bases on this earlier. That I was going to talk about this towards the end of the podcast. The AEW rankings are returning to AEW. Now, there's been a lot of speculation about these rankings. There was even rumors that CM Punk, when he came into AEW, he did not want the rankings in AEW, and he thought it was a flawed system, and they got rid of the rankings when he came into AEW. Now, on that point of view, I think Phil Brooks was right. I don't think the rankings... I understand, you know, AEW trying to be a little bit different than WWE, and I get that. I really do. And and as a fan, I appreciate it. But... I think the rankings kind of take away from the storylines being built in AEW. Now, if you guys remember this, this was a few months back. QT Marshall. QT Marshall obviously was with AEW for a while since the very beginning. And from what I understand, he left AEW to go into other ventures. But he also made comments about AEW pretty much pertaining that AEW was going into a more sports dynamic uh, 
and doing a lot of things similar to All Japan Pro Wrestling, where it really wasn't storyline-based. It was more of a sports-based pro wrestling, uh, a lot of tournaments, obviously the Triple Crown, so on and so forth, which AEW has done that with the Continental Classic, and obviously the winner became the new Continental Champion. So we've already seen that happen, and obviously for what it's worth, that was some of the best AEW television that we've seen for a while with the Continental Classic Tournament, which was awesome. Um, me personally, though, as far as the rankings are concerned, my thing, I feel like it is a flawed system. Because my thing is, even if you're going to have these rankings, are there going to be, is there going to be somebody in the back or Tony Khan, for all that matter, to follow every single win and loss from each individual on the AEW roster? I don't see it. And my thing is this. I, if you're if you're getting wins on Ring of Honor and you're coming over to AEW, I feel like those wins on Ring of Honor should not matter or even give a damn what you're doing. Like for AEW, it shouldn't be relatable because it's two different companies, it's two different entities, and it's two different companies. Like it shouldn't really matter what you're doing on Ring of Honor compared to AEW, and that's going to be my biggest issue with this ranking system. If this does happen, because right there off the rip, it's flawed in my honest opinion. Secondly, the biggest takeaway from this is that it takes away from storylines. Storylines are a big, big deal in pro wrestling because fans want to be invested. Now, somebody can say, oh, well, why they had the rankings? The rankings is the story. Yeah, it's the direction. You know where they're going, that's, and, and that's great. You know, if, if Swerve's 18-0 and he you know, calls out Samoa Joe, well, we know why, because Samoa Joe, uh, Swerve is 18-0. He's the number one on the rankings, and he, you know for a fact that he's going to be calling out Samoa Joe for the World Championship. That's the, the direction. The issue that I have with that, which is great, we have the direction of where they're going, but where's the storyline behind the, the direction that they're going? You know, that's my biggest thing. And if they somehow can pull that off, being AEW, that they can, you know, combine the storyline with the direction of where they're going, then perfect. By all means, I'm all for it. But if they only go with direction... You're not going to get storyline. A lot of fans are not going to be invested in what they're doing. Because you already know off the rip that, okay, well, Adam Page is 19-0 or Swerve is 18-0. They're probably, probably one of them are going to be the next challenger for Samoa Joe. Which, okay, that's great. All right, awesome. But you go from that to no build, no storyline, nothing. And the only basis you have is the ranking system and that person being having a great record or undefeated or whatever in the ranking system. And they're automatically the number one contender for the championship. Okay, awesome. But there's no build. There's no storyline. So there is definitely a possibility of the ranking system being flawed. For sure. And my criticism on this is I don't give a rat's ass what you do on Ring of Honor. I don't care. And I made this. I made these comments about Ring of Honor multiple times. Ring of Honor back in the day, it was a great company, a great promotion. It still can be a great promotion. But the issue that I have with it as of right now is A, Tony Khan's really not doing jack shit with it, and B, you're seeing more Ring of Honor talent and Ring of Honor championships being showcased and defended on AEW than the AEW championships that are already on the brand, for a prime example. This was the first time in many, many months that we've seen the Acclaimed actually defend their AEW six-man tag team championships, when how many times now have we seen the Ring of Honor six-man tag team championships be defended on AEW? We just had that last week when Bullet Club Gold ended up beating Mogul Embassy to become the new Ring of Honor six-man tag team championships. So we've seen abundance, an abundance of Ring of Honor things on AEW. And to me, my standpoint, it will always be the same. That shit needs to stay on Ring of Honor, and we need to focus on what AEW is doing. And I mentioned this last week. AEW needs to focus on what brought them to the dance. Where, yeah, okay, matches and wins do matter. I get that. But storylines need to be built. 
in the beginning of AEW, there was long story, you know, it was storytelling being built, which got fans invested. You know, and right now, you know, on the flip side of that coin, WWE is doing a lot of crazy shit right now, which I am going to touch bases on here in a minute and let you guys know my opinion on what's going on with WWE here in a minute. But AEW needs to hit the reset button. And I, I don't think it's 100% the rankings that need to be come into AEW. I think storylines need to be invested in. They need to be built so fans can get invested in the match. Because I can tell you this right now, the show last night, it wasn't as bad as the homecoming show at Daly's Place, but... It was right behind it. This show was not that great last night, in my honest opinion. And obviously, not every AEW show is going to be an absolute banger. I understand that. But at the same time, too, logical booking, storylines, that needs to happen. Because you can't just take a roster and write it on a piece of paper or have an idea and throw it up against a wall and hope that it sticks. It's not going to happen. You know, it's not because it, fans are not going to be invested. Now, the fans last night, I mean, not for nothing, there was crickets, man. I, the crowd last night was. Not there at all, in my honest opinion. It was a dead-ass crowd. The fans were not invested in any of these matches last night, except for maybe the Jeff Hardy and Swerve match due to the help from Matt Hardy trying to do his best to hype the damn crowd up because they were falling asleep throughout the entire damn match, which is, which is ridiculous. So, I mean, my thing is with AEW, long story, long, you know, long story short, is that they need to focus on what brought them to the dance. Do I think it's the ranking system? I don't think it is. I think it has its flaws as well. I think if the, the whole thing about CM Punk was true about him not wanting to have the ranking system was true, I got to commend CM Punk for that because CM Punk, to me, understood that it had its flaws. And it does. It, it definitely does. So, again, you're going to see a lot of matches that are wishy-washy. And I'm hoping that we don't see all these matches that for these rankings be, you know, a main roster talent for AEW against an enhancement talent. And you're going to constantly see that AEW person get over on the enhancement talent just for them to get a win and put them on the rankings. Again, it's another flaw in the system for the AEW ranking system. Like I told you guys a minute ago, I'm all for the rankings if the direction leads into a storyline. If we just get the direction, like I said... Adam Page being a number one contender because he's 18-0 or Swerve is 19-0 in the rankings and he's probably most likely going to challenge Samoa Joe for the World Championship. That's great, but is there going to be storyline to get us there to that final match? That's my only thing. That's my biggest takeaway from these rankings. It's either going to work or it's either going to crumble. <clears throat> the other thing I want to get into that's not relatable to AEW is WWE. And I don't cover Raw and SmackDown. I don't. But I'm a wrestling fan at best. So if you guys don't know, and I'm sure you guys probably do by now, I'm just going to give my opinion about this. WWE, specifically Monday Night Raw, had a big, big day a few days ago. Huge, monumental day for, uh, for WWE. So what, it ha what I understand and what I gathered is Monday Night Raw was looking for a new home. Now this was going on for multiple, multiple months where uh, Monday Night Raw is possibly going to ESPN+, Plus, maybe Disney+. Uh, Amazon Prime was also uh, up there as well as their competitor, well, where their competitor works for, uh, TBS and Time Warner and TNT. These were all speculations of where possibly Monday Night Raw could end up after their contract deal, their current, well, their TV deal would be up. Well, that's not the case. Uh, Monday Night Raw, starting 2025, will be exclusively on Netflix. That is correct. Raw will be exclusively on Netflix starting January 2025. This is a big deal. This is a huge deal for not only 
WWE and Monday Night Raw, but as well as wrestling in total. Uh, the other thing I got that I learned is that Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he was a part of this uh, announcement for you know Monday Night Raw going over to Netflix, and it's also um, he was also there because now he is a uh, member of the board of directors for TKO, which is the parent company of both WWE and the UFC. And now Dwayne The Rock Johnson is now on the board of directors for TKO, which is a very, very big move for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, he also got his likeness name back from WWE, which using The Rock, he's able to use that for sponsorships or whatever, you know, moving forward for The Rock, which is absolutely great. Um, but it was a it was a big, big day for WWE and Monday Night Raw. Now, what this does is this opens up a lot of eyeballs to a lot of streaming services, and this is why well, this is why I said it relates to pro wrestling in general. You know, obviously, I'm sure Tony Khan was elated the fact that it, they didn't sign with Time Warner and TBS and TNT, and now Tony Khan, because Raw went to at Netflix, this gives an opportunity for Tony Khan to make his money when the time comes to ne- uh, negotiate a new uh, TV contract deal with TBS or Time Warner, which, if I had to be a betting man, I'm sure he's going to get that. But there's a lot of, you know, situations with AEW too. I I think personally with what Raw did with Netflix, a lot of things are going to change, man. I think, you know, NBC Universal, I think, you know, Peacock for all that matter will come to an end going into 2025 for Netflix. I think Netflix, if I had to be, like I said, a betting man, I think Peacock and all the stuff that's on Peacock, all the PLEs, the uh, documentaries, the um, old school... uh, content that was on there from WCW, ECW, stuff like that, I could very much see that being a part of the library on Netflix, 100%. Um, I also think with this deal with uh, Raw and Netflix, I can see Raw as a whole just changing. You know, I can see that, you know, obviously with them being a part of Netflix, I can see a lot of things with Monday Night Raw changing. I can see, you know, what AEW does with their rings. I can see Netflix having their sponsorship on the turnbuckles. Uh, the, off the ring apron, the barricades, I can totally see that for sure. Uh, especially, you know, due to the fact that it's a humongous sponsor and, you know, they're on Netflix. I can totally see that. The other thing I want you guys to understand as well is that when this deal was made, it was, they did not say that Monday Night, Monday Night Raw was going to be a part of Netflix. They just said Raw. Now, what that could mean and what that can entail is the fact that Raw might not be on Monday nights. Uh, you know, Raw has been on Monday nights now for, what, over 30 years? Something like that. Um, but now it's just raw. So there's a very good possibility that raw might not actually even be on Monday nights moving forward, especially in January of 2025. Raw could be on Wednesday night competing head to head with AEW. It could be Tuesday. You know, it could be, who knows? Again, it might not be on Mondays. You know, there's also things about SmackDown as well. I believe it's October 1st of next year. SmackDown is going to be on a Tuesday, I believe, if I'm not mistaken from what I've heard and what I've been told. So it looks like SmackDown is going to be possibly moving to Tuesday nights, which opens up the door for Monday Night Raw to be on possibly Wednesday nights, which would be a big deal uh, and be a you know head-on collision between Raw and AEW. Netflix can also be on Friday nights now that they're going to be tied up with the CW network. So a lot of th- 2024 is going to be a massive, massive year for just pro wrestling in general. And what WWE did a couple days ago, man, it was, wow, firing all, like literally firing on all cylinders. And having, you know, this monumental moment and having Monday Night Raw no longer on cable television after so long and the fact that now they're going to be exclusively tied to Netflix. And that Netflix deal, 
that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. That next that Netflix deal is huge, man. It's five hundred million dollars a year for the next ten years. So you're talking five billion dollars. You know, roughly five billion, maybe some, you know, maybe a little extra, maybe a little less, but five billion dollars for the next ten years. And Netflix actually has an option to opt out after five years to, out of the contract with WWE, or add an additional ten years after their five years to add ten years onto that contract. So we're talking possibly twenty years. Uh, that Netflix can be a part of the WWE family, which is astronomically insane. So, like I said, this just opens up a lot more doors for not not only pro wrestling, but other sports entities like NASCAR, the NFL, PGA, MLB, NHL. This just opens up a lot more doors for a lot of other sports entities out there or professional wrestling, especially AEW. I do. I will say this. If, if the... If there's any truth behind the smoke around this, if AEW is going to go to a 12 pay-per-view format, which, again, I'm all for it, as long as we get storylines, the reason why I'm for it is this, this will be the perfect time for Tony Khan and AEW to have a streaming deal. This is where HBO Max would come in clutch, immensely. I mean, this would be something that would benefit both AEW, obviously people that subscribe to HBO Max, and either people that don't even get TBS or TNT. I mean, this could also be something where... If AEW has a deal with HBO Max, you know, anybody can get HBO Max, from what I understand. So, I mean, at the same time, AEW and Tony Khan, they can simulcast simulcast both AEW and um, on regular television on uh, TNT or TBS and as well as HBO Max. You know, they could put all the previous pay-per-views that were held by AEW for the past few years on HBO Max as a library as well as Ring of Honor content and put these pay-per-views on HBO Max and not charge people $50 a month for the entire year for these pay-per-views. If, in fact, they are going to a 12 pay-per-view format. It just makes more logical sense. I mean, because I'm going to be honest with y'all, man. A lot of people are not going to be willing to fork out $50 a month every single month for these pay-per-views. It's not going to happen. And if we're looking at this as a whole, from WWE to AEW, it's the same thing, man. I mean, now that people that watch Monday Night Raw, you might not have a Netflix account, but now if you want to watch Raw, you're going to have to get a Netflix account in order for you to watch Monday Night Raw. But on the flip side of that coin, SmackDown is not on Netflix. SmackDown is going to be continued to be showcased on Fox. So you'll need a Netflix account and a cable account, if you will, to watch both Raw and SmackDown. You'll need Netflix for Raw, and you'll need Fox Network to watch, you know, SmackDown, also the CW Network if you want to watch NXT. So there's three different entities right there alone. Then on the flip side of that coin, you have AEW, which credit, you have TNT and TBS. You have to pay for a cable subscription, whether it's Sling or wherever you guys get your cable from, Comcast, Verizon, wherever, to watch uh, Dynamite or Collision. But then on the same, again, the same flip side of that coin, if AEW and Tony Khan works with uh, with HBO Max, this also saves that consumer a lot of money because now you're not only paying a cable bill, but then you're paying $50 a month 12 times, pretty much every month for the year, 50 bucks a pop. When you can have a cable bill, pay for HBO Max, which, yeah, it's kind of the same thing from WWE, but you're also saving money by not spending $50 every single month if AEW does, in fact, go to a uh, 12 pay-per-view format. With WWE, you're automatically paying for, if you want to watch Raw and SmackDown, you're already paying for two different entities on itself. You're paying for Netflix, and you're paying uh, for regular cable for Fox. And if you don't have the CW network, you also have to pay for that app, I believe, to watch uh, NXT if you want to watch NXT. So 
you know, the way it's looking is that, to me, cable television is not going to be the same probably in the next five or ten years. A lot of it's going to be streaming services right now. Netflix is one of the most watched streaming service globally right now, from what I understand. So, and rightfully so, the content they put out on Netflix is incredible. The movies, the TV shows, uh, the documentaries, stuff like that. It's, Netflix is incredible. My wife watches it every single, pretty much every single day. Uh, but the content they put out on Netflix is incredible. So just putting Monday Night Raw on Netflix is going to bring so many more eyeballs to not only to Netflix, but also to Monday Night Raw. Fans of Netflix are going to be like, oh, what the hell is this Raw shit? Let me watch it. And then, it's again, it's going to only build up more and more equity for Monday Night Raw as well as Netflix. So it's a win-win for both parties. I just think Tony Khan and AEW needs, if they're, you know, take a pretty much a, a page out of that book for w, from WWE and talk to HBO Max. Because I think it's just well overdue. And obviously Tony Khan can't just say, you know what, yeah, we're going to HBO Max. Obviously there needs to be conversations and stuff like that between both parties with Time Warner and AEW, which I completely understand that. But this is something that needs to happen uh, moving forward for AEW. And I know Tony Khan had mentioned that this is going to be a big year for AEW in 2024. And again, I know he just announced the you know bringing back of the rankings. But I think it's going to have to be a little bit more than that to really get people invested. Because... You know, like I mentioned to you guys these past few weeks, man, even Collision. Collision has not been the same. And I know Collision this weekend is supposed to be a decent show. I'll say that. They got the elimination uh, cage match with uh, FTR and Daniel Garcia versus the House of Black, which is going to be a really solid matchup. Uh, They also have Brian Danielson versus Yuji Nagata, uh, which is going to be a solid matchup in itself. They have a lot of good matches on Collision. They also have the return of Serena Deeb, who's been out since 2022. Again, it's going to be a great addition back to the women's roster and great to see her back in AEW as well after being gone with injury. Uh, so it's a great addition to Collision uh, having Serena D back. So, But the reason why they're doing that is because of the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble is going to be insane this year. There's going to be a lot of you know, questions or answers to questions a lot of people are talking about who's going to win the Men's Royal Rumble, who's going to win the Women's Royal Rumble, what's going to happen with Seth Rollins, be with his injury, is you know Gunther going to win the Men's Royal Rumble and then challenge Seth Rollins at WrestleMania for the World Heavyweight Championship. I mean, it's a lot of things going on right now for WWE, and WWE is firing on all cylinders right now, man. All cylinders. The Rumble is going to be insane. I think the Rumble is going to be absolutely insane for WWE. It's this Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. It's going to be insane, man. You know, and again, you know, the same thing with Mercedes, and I, I hate saying this, but this is the truth, man. I know Mercedes has told people that, you know, she's pretty much tying up loose ends and, and finishing up some of her other uh, projects that she's done with acting and stuff like that in the month of January. But again, you know, until she's, you know, walks through that, you know, that entrance ramp in AEW, then I believe it. I, I can still believe, I, you know, to me, I can still see Mercedes showing up this Saturday and being a part of the Rumble. 100%. Nothing's concrete right now with, with Mercedes. I, I can see Mercedes showing up at the Rumble. And if she does, then it's great. You know, that place is going to erupt. Um, but again, this is something where if not, then when for Mercedes, when will she show up in AEW? Will it be all the way in March for revolution? I don't know. You know, I really don't know. You know, same thing with Naomi. I know Naomi is rumored to go back to WWE. This will be a perfect time to slot her into the rumble. She's healthy. She's ready to go. And without, you know, worrying about a storyline based to bring her back into the fold of WWE, you can just bring her back through the rumble. And then have her just make a name for himself just off the off the uh, Royal Rumble. It's perfect. The Rumble is going to be crazy, man. The Rumble is going to be absolutely insane. Um, but no, this was a this was a huge week for pro wrestling, man. I mean, WWE. I mean, they struck gold 
with the deal with Netflix, like I said, we're all going to Netflix in January of 2025. Uh, it's a $500 million a year deal for 10 years, which I think equals out to $5 billion a year. Netflix does have the option to opt out after the, after the five years. They can either opt out after the five years in the 10-year contract or after the five years, they can add an additional 10 years to their current 10-year contract and they can possibly work in with uh, Raw for the next uh, 20 years. So, I mean, it's it's insane, man. I mean, that's just that's crazy. It's pandemonium for right now for WWE and right now, they're firing on all cylinders, man. And again, hats off to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Man, that guy is all business. All day, every day. I mean, look what he's done in the past few months. It's not even... <clears throat> we're not even talking WWE related. We're talking just what he does on his other you know, other projects. I mean, look what he just did with the XFL and the USFL. He un- united both companies to form his, you know, a pretty much a badass football league with the United Football League and joining forces between the USFL and the XFL, and they're joining forces to make one you know, one big league. That's awesome. You know, he's promoting this on College Game Day. He's promoting this on ESPN. It's great stuff, man. And then he goes from that to a couple months down the road to, okay, now you're a, a member of the board of directors for TKO, which is the parent company of WWE and the UFC. And now, you know, you help, you know, you're a part of this big deal that, you know, WWE secured with Netflix to have Raw on Netflix in January 2025. And not only that, I mean, his daughter. His daughter is a current roster talent, you know, on the, the roster for NXT. I believe her name is Ava Rain. Well, what happened on, you know, that Tuesday night on NXT uh, this, the other day, now she is the GM moving forward for NXT, which was appointed to her by William Regal. So, I mean, they're firing on all cylinders, man. The Rock knows exactly what he's doing. He got his... His ring name back with The Rock, and he used that for sponsorships and revenue and stuff like that, and he'd probably still use that name and make revenue off that, even through his time in WWE. So, I mean, The Rock knows exactly what he's doing, and that guy is firing on all cylinders right now, man. The Rock is no... He's all business, which I respect the hell out of that for The Rock. And, uh, you know, who knows, man? I mean, right now, like I said, 2024 is going to be a big year for wrestling. You also have free agents out there that are still looking... Uh, for a place to go. I mean, the two biggest things that pop up in my head right now are Mercedes and Okada. Okada could possibly, you know, join WWE or join AEW. It's the same thing with Mercedes. You know, where does Mercedes go? Does she go to WWE? Does she, you know, return at the Rumble on Saturday? Or does she actually, in fact, go over to AEW and work with Tony Khan and the roster that he has over there in AEW? You know, it's the same thing with Okada. Will he go to WWE or will he go to AEW? It's still yet to be seen, man, but... I do believe that this year for pro wrestling is going to be insane. I think it's going to be a crazy year for uh, pro wrestling. You know, like I said, the Rumbles this weekend, it's going to be insane. It's going to be a great year just for pro wrestling. And, you know, my standpoint's been the same on AEW too, man. I'm a huge fan of AEW. I'm a huge fan of pro wrestling, period. You know, I want both WWE and AEW to be successful because there needs to be the alternative. And I, I want AEW to be that where you don't have to just watch Raw and SmackDown. You can also watch AEW. And I think it helps both companies, man. You know, competition, I told you guys this multiple times, competition breeds success. And obviously Tony Khan's not that stupid to realize what WWE and Nick Khan and and Hunter and, you know, everybody over there in WWE are doing right now as a whole. I'm sure it's gotten Tony Khan's attention. And I think this is time where Tony Khan needs to really, hopefully be in more talks with the, uh, 
TV contract uh, with Time Warner and Warner Media. I'm hoping that you know we do get some kind of announcement here soon, possibly for an HBO Max deal where you know Tony Khan can put past AW pay per views in the Ring of Honor catalog and future pay per views, if you will, on HBO Max moving forward. I think it's just a win win for both Tony Khan and AEW, to be honest with you, to be on HBO Max. I do. Not only, not only for just the wrestling capacity, but for the consumer. I think for the consumer, it's fantastic. It opens up a lot more stuff for AEW. Uh, they, can, they can add more shows to that, too. Behind the scenes stuff. I know they had that uh, behind the scenes show for AEW where they were kind of going backstage, and a lot of it was Britt Baker and Eddie Kingston and Adam Cole and stuff like that, and Sammy Guevara. You know, you could build that show up into HBO Max and make it, you know, a program for HBO Max. It's it's a possibility. Um, but to me, if I was AEW and Tony Khan, I would really be focused on, you know, TV talks, which I'm sure they are. But I would also, uh, I'd be dead serious about the HBO Max stuff. I, I would. Especially if they are going to tell, uh, 12 pay-per-views a year, whether it be this year or the following year. I think it's something that I think Tony Khan and AEW really need to entertain as far as it pertains to HBO Max. But uh, with that being said, this is my review of AEW's Dynamite. I hope you guys are out there staying safe. Be careful, and remember, stay classic. Peace.